In order to be the person we want to be and to get to where we want to be in our life and in our careers, we've got to start by looking within to identify who and where we are. We've got to be introspective. We can do this in a few different ways. We can perform 360 evaluations where we ask for insight from those we work for, those we work with, and those we provide services to. And we can also maybe rely on our annual performance review if they are a thing that actually happened at your organization. <laughs> Regardless of, of how we approach this introspective uh, thought process, taking active steps on our own to be introspective can help us make sure that we're on the right path to becoming the person we want to be. In today's episode, I'll talk about five steps you can take to become more introspective, become more self-aware, and become more of the person you want to be. I recently read an article that said researchers have shown data supporting the idea that knowing more about yourself results in stronger relationships, a clearer sense of purpose, a greater sense of well-being, self-acceptance, and happiness. Now, these are obvious benefits that can help us grow in amazing ways and live more meaningful lives. But how do we go about starting that whole process? Let me kind of rewind here and give you a little background of where I'm at right now. I'm currently going through another captain promotional process. And every time I go through one of these uh, processes and am unsuccessful, I do what's known as an after action review. And those of you who work in the fire service and EMS know what that is. But for those of you who are listening and aren't a first responder, let me take a moment to explain what that is. The after action review is a system for going back and looking at how things played out in an incident in order to make improvements where you can moving forward. You want to identify the things that went bad. You want to identify the things that went well. And you want to identify the things that you could make improvements on in order to have a better outcome next time. It's all about that continual improvement. One of the quotes that I like that expresses the importance of self-reflection is by Confucius. And it says, by three methods, we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience which is the bitterest. If you're striving for wisdom in what he calls the noblest way, then self-reflection is the key. I've personally discovered that if I want to know the answers to questions, I first have to be brave enough to ask tough questions. Questions like, are there things at work that leave me stressed when others don't seem too bothered? Do I struggle to connect with my family members? Am I struggling at this moment? Questions like, why do I think I'm struggling with connecting with my family members? Taking the time to ask yourself important questions like these is typically the first step in understanding and overcoming misconceptions and things that might be holding you back. I know you hear me talk a lot about taking action. I mean, a lot. You hear me talk about that a lot, right? It's one of the ignited core values, right? You see it everywhere because it's very important to me. And while that's important in most aspects of our lives, there is power in sitting still. 
If we take moments to reflect on our actions, we can gain insight into who we are and what we stand for. From there, we can identify patterns and connect the dots between where we're at and where we want to be. We can bridge the gap, but we can only do that if we have a plan. Once you make a plan and consistently adhere to that plan, you'll become unstoppable. So the whole purpose of today's episode is that I'd like to share five ways to take action on being still and introspective. Kind of oxymoronic, right? Kind of like hurry up and wait. But trust me, we often feel like we have to be, quote, busy, and that somehow makes our time matter, when in reality, it's the things we produce in that time, the things we accomplish that truly matter, our level of productivity, right? So here are five ways that we can actively be introspective. Step one, create space for yourself. I have about a 30-minute drive when I'm headed to the firehouse. During that time, I like to listen to inspiring podcasts or spiritual messages to help get me in the right frame of mind. I don't like to get to work and start off on a grumpy note. I really don't like that. I don't appreciate it when other people do that, and I don't want to be that person. The people I work with and the people that I serve deserve me at my best. One of the podcasts that I listen to is The Daily Motivation with Lewis Howes. It's a short podcast, usually about 10 to 15 minutes. So that means I can listen to one or two episodes on the way to work. And it provides me with some positive perspective, maybe a new way of thinking about things. Um, Either way, it gets my, my brain juices flowing and it starts me off on a positive note. And another short one that I like to listen to is The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. And yeah, it's the dirty jobs guy. It's Mike Rowe. Uh, he's got an amazing voice. He does the the narrations for like tons of documentaries. Um, but anyway, he's got a great podcast. And it's a lot like the, uh, uh, not the way I heard it, but the rest of the story. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with that old radio show. But anyway, these offer me some positive vibes and perspective, and it also gives me some great talking points when interacting with my crew over the next 48 hours. The key here is to give yourself about 30 minutes designated just to you and your mindfulness. And if that means waking up an extra 30 minutes and just sitting in silence, so be it. However you decide to create this space for yourself, it's important that you do so. Honestly, the less distraction, the better. But if you need to fill the empty space with something, maybe do so with some soft music in the background or turn on some nature shows on YouTube. Like they have those like environment, like nature videos, right? Where it's just like streaming a river or it's like streaming uh, a shot in the woods or like a field of lilies over in Europe or something like that. Anyway, I like personally putting on some lo-fi hip-hop and and focusing on how I want the day to go and the type of person that I want to be that day. I've gotten to a point where I've compounded the time I designate for introspection. So when I wake up, I put on some soothing music or, you know, I put my headphones in and I, I put the music on or I put the podcast on. I clean my face. I brush my teeth. Then I sit at my kitchen table and journal out my day. And if I'm waking up at the station, I do the same thing. I wake up, I do my routine, 
uh, pop in some headphones. I sit at the kitchen table or the dining table and I journal out my day. I map out what I want that day to look like, which brings me to the next step. Step two, keep a journal. I talk a lot about journaling for a reason, you guys. We are all experiencing life in our own way. We are each living an individual and unique story. It's important to document that story because I'm here to tell you, people are interested in learning more about you and what you have to say and what you're thinking. The book I wrote is an accumulation of ideas and thoughts that I journaled over several years. And if I hadn't journaled, then I wouldn't have any source material to compile that information and publish it in a book. I'm not saying that you need to journal in order to publish a book, but maybe that's true. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe you'd like to see how you've grown over a period of time and identify some things that you, you need to work on and improve. The, uh, the mantra of mine that's become more and more prevalent over the last several years is what gets measured gets improved. But not only does journaling allow you to measure your success and your setbacks, it helps you become a better communicator by practicing putting your thoughts into words. And it helps you improve your memory, your self-expression, and your confidence. And all of those are things that we could all improve on, right? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking maybe you just don't know what to write about and you're having some trouble uh, coming up with some suggestions, here are some ideas. I've got about like, uh, let's see what I got. One, two, three, four, five. I got about five ideas, five within five. Very meta, right? So one of the things that you can write about or, or one of the ways you can journal is to just free write. And this is where you just write down anything that comes to your mind. You can doodle, you can draw shapes, you can just write single words that have meaning to you in that moment. It's completely up to you. The idea behind this is that you want to open up your mind to allow whatever's in there to come out. And people can be reluctant to do that because they're apprehensive of what might come out, right? Sometimes it's scary for people. But I'm telling you, this exercise is just for you. So there's no judgment and there's no restriction. So pull the string back and let the arrow fly. Uh, another thing you can do when it comes to journaling is write from a third person perspective. So if you're going through something tough and you need to kind of separate yourself from things in order to process it, utilize writing in third person as if you're making observations as an outsider. Not only can it help you process your issue, it can help you become more able to see things from a different perspective and not become so set in your ways. What this allows you to do is relate to more people. Now, when I, when I play video games, I love the third person perspective. It gives me more of a sense of surrounding gives me, I'm more able to like keep my head on a swivel. Um, I just, I just like that idea. So that one really spoke to me. I'm going to actually try that with my own journaling for a little bit and see how that goes and see how things change. Uh, another thing you can do is use your journal as your hot list, right? Some people call it a to-do list. I like to call it a hot list. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, then you know that I utilize a tool that I call the hot list. And it's a list of the top three to five things that I absolutely have to get done that day. No excuses. This keeps me productive and moving toward my goals. You can also document your wins. You're doing big things. 
and it's okay to be proud of them. Write down the things you've done that you're proud of. Don't be so quick to dismiss your wins, you guys. Revel in them a bit. Enjoy the feeling of a job well done. It could be something minimal, like, I didn't miss a single IV today. Like, own that. Take it. Like, you earned it. Don't be so dismissive of your wins, guys. Document them. Uh, One of the things that I've been really getting into lately is expressing gratitude uh, when I journal. And you can do this in a few ways. You can make a list of things that you're grateful for in general. You can document all the things that you're grateful for that happened that day. Or you can do what I do and have been doing and focus on one specific moment that I was grateful for that day. Uh, Personally, I take a moment and I sit in it. And I often do this when I'm in my cold plunge or I start my cold shower or as cold as the AZ heat will allow my water to get. But I like to just give myself some time, give myself a moment and focus on the, on like one specific thing that I'm grateful for. And I kind of dissect it and pick it apart as to why. And trust me, when you're sitting in a cold plunge or you're breathing through a cold shower, focusing on those things you're grateful for makes that time pass by very quickly (laughs) or quicker at least. So step one was create space for yourself. Step two is keep a journal. And step three is acknowledge and use your emotions. Yep. I'm going to talk about feelings here, guys. So prepare yourself. I know we often don't like talking about or even acknowledging our feelings, right? And we often cover them up with drugs and alcohol or whatever else numbs the, numbs the pain or whatever it is you're trying to ignore. The fact remains, we need to be able to A, acknowledge our feelings, and B, be able to mitigate them in a way that benefits us. Notice how I didn't say ignore our feelings or dismiss them. That's because when we do those things, we set ourselves up for failure and we stack the odds for PTSD to win. Emotions are tools for us to gauge how we are experiencing life. They don't define who we are. Personally, I experience anger as my dominant emotion. Have you guys seen, uh, what's that? Oh, Inside Out, that Pixar movie with all the different little emotions. That little red guy who blows his top? Yeah, that's me. Uh, And that comes as a result of injustices that I see, which turn into frustrations that I experience. And the ultimately the resulting in like the things that people do that, that spark that sense of injustice and frustration. And what I came to learn was that anger is merely a result of my refusal to accept things as they are. Uh, it came, it came as a result of my level of expectations when it comes to other people. And it came as a result of taking things personally. So I focus and I manage, or I focus, I pay attention, or I put conscious attention to those elements. And I keep my needless anger at bay. And I do that by, like I said, I I listed those things that get me there. Um, refusing to accept things as they are. Like I have to first accept the situation or accept the person for how they are, not not how I would hope them to be, right? Um, 
I lower my expectations when it comes to people. I have very high expectations of myself. This sound, this might sound a little arrogant. It might sound a little cocky or whatever, but I have very high expectations of myself. I have very high expectations of myself when it comes to performing physically, to uh, my intellectual aptitude, to my ability to to create and maintain relationships, and the the energy that I'm bringing to the table. I have high expectations of myself, and. I measure those expectations. I measure them. So I'm constantly growing, constantly improving them. And so when I see people who aren't doing that, it frustrates me. And because I tend to put my expectation on other people. And that's just not fair. It's not fair to do that. I've got to meet people where they're at, not where I'd want them to be or hope them to be. Um, Because ultimately it's their choice, right? If they want to level up or not. But anyway, um, Taking things personally was a, was a thing that I was trained to do growing up. Like that's just how the mentality was in my home. You know, like people do things to either hurt you or help you. Like they're, they're not doing things just to like live their lives as they see fit. And it was a very victim mentality, uh, victim type mentality. And I learned that growing up in my home. And then when I got a little older and got out into the world, got my job and started learning these different perspectives. I was like, uh, it's not all about me. Like having a victim mentality, I, I, I grew to learn was an incredibly arrogant way to live life. Like you make everything about you and eventually nobody wants to be around you. And because you're just constantly making everything about you and, and it's not fair to the people around you. And it's really not fair to yourself because you know what people are out there living their life, doing what they want because it's what they want to do. It has nothing to do with you. And to think that it does, to think that everybody's doing something based on whether or not it helps or hurts you is incredibly arrogant, unbelievably arrogant. But anyway, as I manage and I pay conscious attention to those elements, like I said, I keep the needless anger at bay. If you can identify the prominent emotions that tend to make you act unlike yourself then you can identify the things that would help you to mitigate them and operate in the parameters that you set. You control your emotions so that they don't wind up controlling you. Step four, ask yourself empowering questions. When we respond to EMS scenes, we approach our patients and we ask them questions, right? We ask mostly what questions, like what are you feeling? What brings us here today? What were you doing when this pain started? What does the pain feel like? What makes it better or worse? Things like that, right? We typically don't ask our patients why questions. Like what if we went in and we were like, why do you think this pain is happening? Or why did you, why did you call us? Honestly, if, if I went in and I asked a patient like, why did you call us? it's, it sounds a bit judgy, right? But if I, if I go in and I sit down and I ask them, what brings us here today? What was it that, that made you call 911 today? It's a, it sets a different tone. We're trying to help our patients, right? Not judge them. Asking why questions has an underlying sense of judgment. If we're continually asking ourselves things like, why am I so angry all the time? Or why am I this way? 
we're putting a judgment on ourselves. We really need to be objective with ourselves, just like we are with our patients. It's only fair, right? It's only fair to treat ourselves just as kind as we would the people that we serve. And, and honestly, I'm going to go out there and say it, if not better, we need to ask ourselves what questions like what is causing me to be so angry and what causes me to feel this way? And here's a big one. What can I do about it? Asking what questions opens up understanding, empathy, and compassion for yourself. If you're having trouble thinking of the right what questions to ask or just questions to ask yourself in general, I've put a link to a page that'll give you 87 self-reflection questions that you can work your way through to get a better understanding of yourself. Now, I don't think they're all what questions, but you get the idea. Step five, focus on the good without ignoring the bad. Bad news travels way faster than good news. If a movie or a restaurant or a personal experience leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, you're more likely to share that experience than if you've had a positive one. Have you guys ever realized that dynamic? And just thinking about it now, like when's the last time you shared a wonderful experience at a restaurant versus a, when you had a bad experience at a restaurant? We've all done it. We're all guilty of it. And this kind of has to do with the fact that when we go out to eat or pay to go see a movie, we expect to have a good time. We expect the value that we get in exchange for our money and our time to be worth it. If that expectation is met, then we typically don't make any effort to actively share that experience. However, if our expectations are not met, we are sure as hell to share with anyone and everyone who will listen how we feel about it, right? I mean, isn't that basically what Yelp is completely based on? <laughs> um, while, neg while negative news spreads like wildfire, positive news tends to take a back seat. I have a strategy that I personally use when it comes to shifting focus from negative events to the positive things happening around you. And so anytime I find myself focusing on a negative element, whether it's at work or at home or in my business, I take a breath and stack three positive elements on top of that negative one. So for example, if I'm at work and getting beaten down by low acuity calls like lift assists, right? If gravity is just kicking people's asses, I would stack three positive elements on top of the negative feelings that might arise. So elements like I'm helping someone in need, or I'm working with a great crew, or I'm using my strength and ability in a practical way, right? Like these are definite positive things. Now I've been around some people and I know you have too, and maybe you're even this person who's like, well, at least they're not covered in shit. And <laughs> that may be true, but what you're doing is creating a more negative situation in your mind to lessen the blow of the current negative feeling you're having. And ultimately what that's called is toxic positivity. And I did a show on that a few episodes back, um, toxic positivity. So you're, you're, you're making me think of a worse scenario so that this one doesn't seem so bad. It's like, well, your house burned down. Well, at least you're alive mostly, or you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't 
negate the negative thing that's happening to you. And to operate that way is like a, it's like a distorted, weirdly toxic behavior. So if you find yourself doing that, I would, I would highly advise you to just focus on positive elements, not, uh, not trying to paint a worse picture to trying to, in order to try to like lessen the current situation, right? When you focus repeatedly on negative elements, you strengthen those neural pathways. So if you're, if you're met with a negative situation and you're, and you want to like stack a, a, an even worse scenario on top of that to try to not make this one sound so good, your brain is naturally going to do that from, from then on. Like you're going to create those neural pathways to automatically think of worse scenarios, worse situations. Now, let me ask you right now, do you think that's good for your mental health? Do you think that's good for your psyche? I'm here to tell you it's not. And, and if you answered like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Then I would, maybe you need to, maybe you need this five steps to introspection episode more than you think. So I would advise you to focus on the positive, focus on positive statements and try not to create even worse scenarios, even more negative scenarios to lessen the burden or lessen the hurt of this one. Um, like I said, when, when you focus repeatedly on negative elements, you strengthen those neural pathways. But the good news is the same can be said for when you repeatedly focus on positive elements. So here's a what question for you. What kind of mental programming do you want to be going through this life with? Do you want to be walking through this life with a, co a continual negative neural pathway or a continual positive neural pathway? Which one's going to be better for you when it comes to like your fitness, your mental health, your intellect, your relationships, you know, the energy that you bring to the table, like what, what it is that's lighting your fire. Do you think retracing those negative neural pathways are really going to help you all that much or in compared comparison to the positive neural pathways that you could be creating? Anyway, food for thought, right? When you create space to think introspectively, there's a question you can think about. <laughs> Buddha said, the person who masters themselves through self-control and discipline is truly undefeatable. What kind of systems have you set up in your own life to practice that discipline? If you can't immediately think of a system, then it's time to introduce some into your life. If you're looking to be more introspective, if you're looking to learn more about yourself and your potential, then you should join The Forge. Inside The Forge, we work on refining ourselves in the four fire flow path categories. That's fitness, intellect, relationships, and energy. Through this process, we'll set and work towards goals on a quarterly basis. The benefits of joining this exclusive group are a quarterly goal planning template that I've personally created and use based on the Fireflow path, a 50-page workbook, access to a private Facebook group and all the events and resources within, along with other members of the Forge, weekly accountability meetings with me and other Forge members. What this does is it creates a system of accountability so we can all hold each other accountable, right? This is like a round table effort here. This isn't like 
us just talking to each other across the table. We're all sitting at the table. We're all contributing. We're holding each other accountable in order to level up. So join the ranks of others who are looking to become the firefighter, the parent, and the spouse that they want to be. I look forward to working with you inside the forge. One quick, one more thing real quick before I sign off today. I wrote a book called Own It. And in it, I give a systematic approach to building systems of trust and how to be active in holding yourself accountable so that you can create a rock solid culture where accountability isn't a bad word and trust thrives. You can get it on Kindle or in paper, uh, on in paperback on Amazon. So please get a copy and share with those you think support the idea of systems of accountability and how they'll make us all better people. And as a result, better firefighters, better EMS professionals, and just better people all around. That wraps it up for this episode of the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Click the link in the show notes and be a part of the growing community by joining the Ignited Firefighter Facebook group. This is where we can all contribute and share stories of what new things we're learning along with anything else you want to share or inquire about. Or if you're struggling with something, reach out. We have a lot of people in this group who've gone through a lot of different things and are standing at the ready to help you in your time of need. Thanks again. And until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.